0: Welcome to Transformed by Grief, a call-in show to help you find a way forward while coping with loss. Brought to you by Funeral Radio. And now your host, Diane Gray.
1: Hi, good evening everyone. This is Diane Gray. Uh, I'm your host for tonight's show, Transformed by Grief. Uh, we're doing a live call-in show, which is kind of exciting for us because um, you never know who's going to call in. We never know which grief questions people are going to ask. And um, But the whole idea of this is that life is real. I mean, you never know who's going to pop around the corner and who is going to ask what question at what time. And so we just decided, you know what, let's go with this, because this is sort of how life rolls anyway. Um, you know, life happens unexpectedly, and especially when it comes to grief and loss often. And I'm not necessarily talking about sudden death. You know, even when you get the diagnosis of a loved one, that a loved one is, um, you know, seriously ill, that's a surprise and that's a shock. So we're excited to do a live show. Um, The whole goal here, Transformed by Grief, is not to, you know, dissect or go through each specific loss and how someone died and what happened. The goal really Mm -hmm. is to help each of us kind of walk through this process and share a little bit. You can bounce questions off of tonight's guest, Scarlett Lewis, or myself. Um, And the the main thing here is we're all in it together. You know, um, Rabbi Grohlman has a a fabulous saying about uh, grief shared is grief divided, and I believe that with all of my heart. I'll tell you briefly a little bit about me. Um, I'm the president of the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation, and also the CEO of Hospice and Healthcare Communications. I never in one million years expected to be here um, in this field, in this line of work. Um, I was going to be in professional sports or be some, you know, nature explorer off into the jungles or into the deep sea, doing something like that. And um, I actually ended up at the age of 28, uh, married with... um, you know, a, a bright future ahead and my whole professional world ahead of me and uh, had a son who was diagnosed at age four turning five with a rare neurodegenerative brain disorder. And then from there, um, unfortunately, um, I found out about his diagnosis when I was already 20 weeks pregnant with my daughter, which meant uh, lots of, of big decisions. Um, and subsequently, you know, we went through a long haul with Austin's illness and um, from this this disorder, and he ended up in bed the last five years of his life. We had it's hospice care, but that's by no means in our case meant 24/7 nursing. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, oh, I'm just thankful that I didn't have any major medical errors, you know, from lack of sleep, honestly, and and as well, um, I think too that I'm blessed by a neighborhood and community that supported me through my you know, sleepwalking and trying to care for my child, children, I should say. Um, so on to my guest tonight. I'm really so just happy that Scarlett Lewis could join us, but like many of you, probably saddened the reason that she's on this show. Uh, Scarlett is the mother of Jesse Lewis, a fabulous, beautiful larger-than-life little boy who was killed in his first grade classroom during the tragedy at Sandy Hook Elementary, uh, December 14, 2012. Nineteen classmates and six teachers were, were killed that day, as along with a, an administrator in one of the worst school shootings in U.S. history. The whole premise behind this show, and thank you to this network for allowing me to do the kind of show that I wanted to do which is about being transformed by grief. And that is exactly what Scarlett Lewis has done. She has founded the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Foundation in honor of Jesse and to spread the message that he left on their kitchen chalkboard shortly before he died, nurturing, healing love, which is the formula for choosing love. And and also Scarlett's goals are to promote social and emotional education in schools as well as consistent message of compassion in our community. Scarlett is the recipient of the International Forgiveness Award, the Live Your Legacy Award, and the Common Ground Award for her advocacy work for peace and forgiveness. When she became a parent for the first time, Scarlett wrote and published a children's book, Rose's Full. And then following Jesse's death, she wrote Nurturing, Healing, Love, which is a story about her journey of turning personal tragedy into something that can positively impact the world. Uh, Scarlett's an artist and an avid horsewoman, and uh, I'm just so honored that she's here on our first show. Scarlett, um, we did a we did a pilot show, and I got a call that we had the most you know liked show um, to pilot. We start off with, so we're here, and just Scarlett, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Diane. I mean like you, um, I never pictured myself on on this on this radio show doing what I'm doing, um, you know, advocating for what I'm advocating for. I had my two kids. I was happy being a single mom and working full time and uh, and then, you know, you can't always choose what happens to you, but as we both know, you can always choose how you react to it, how you respond to it.
1: It's a, it's so true. And I don't want to stay in this place very long, but I do want to ask you briefly, did you have any inkling that just something was odd that day, that something didn't feel right? Because that's a question that I've gotten when I've told different people about you know your appearing on our show, I- I'm just curious. Did you have any like gut instinct that something was off?
2: You know, not only did I not have a gut instinct that something was off, I kind of just could not wrap my hands around the fact that Jesse might be gone. Even hours into waiting at the firehouse, when pretty much when the world knew. What had happened before we did uh, it was it was just in shock and it was just so hard to fathom that something like that could happen um, even today, I have a hard time digesting that. so no, um, you know it's only in hindsight that I can look and see little things that that happened and of course all of Jesse's precognitive drawings and things like that. so to know that there was a spiritual awareness um, with both Jesse and I. But that's really only in hindsight,
1: and and maybe that's a blessing too. Totally. You know, Scarlett, in your book, and you and I have discussed this in the past, you you know, there's a a beautiful picture of Jesse. And for those of you that haven't read Scarlett's book yet, it's called Nurturing, Healing, Love. And um, to back up for a second, Scarlett and I met in part because I um, was working and had a, a project with a tech company, we were building an app, and um, and I reached out to Scarlet because I had seen an article about this message on a chalkboard that Jesse left. Scarlet, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely.
2: Um, actually, I, I found this message. Uh, days after he was murdered, when I came back to my farmhouse, um, I had gone directly from the school to my mother's house who lives across town, thankfully, never thinking I could ever go back to my farmhouse where I raised my two boys as a single mother, having to go back, however, to get his clothes for the funeral. And uh, it was on my way out that I noticed this message that Jesse had written on our kitchen chalkboard Uh, He had written three words, nurturing, healing, love. Of course, those three words, it was just astounded, floored me. Those three words are not in the vernacular of a six-year-old. They were phonetically spelled because he was just in first grade and learning to write. But Mm -hmm. the meaning of those three words is in the definition of compassion across all cultures. And actually, when you break down the meaning of those three words, Nurturing is loving kindness and gratitude. Healing is forgiveness. And love is compassion and action. And it's actually practicing those values in that order uh, is how you choose love. And so it was such a prophetic message. Um, and it was, it was a precognitive message. I, I knew from seeing it that he had a spiritual awareness that he was not going to be around for much longer I knew that he wanted to leave a message of comfort for his family and friends, but I knew that it was more than that. I, I knew that it was a message of inspiration for the world. I knew that it was where we needed to move toward, and I knew that I would be spending the rest of my life spreading Jesse's message of nurturing, healing, love.
1: But I think that's so powerful because um, it was really interesting before this show, um, I usually like to go out in nature before I do any television show or radio show. And I just sort of hopped on my bike for a couple miles tonight uh, to get in the get in the zone, and I usually carry my phone because uh, I've been known to you know, hit a nail or hit it with a, with a flat tire, and I did not want to be late tonight. So I answered my phone, and the guy that was on the phone said to me, oh, you're doing, you're doing a radio show tonight? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm really excited. Scarlett Lewis is on our show. And he said, I don't know how you get mired down in all of that all day long at work. And I was, I was speechless. I was stunned. And then when I caught my breath, I said, wait a minute. I said, that's not it at all. I said, the people that I know and that I work with, we are a circle and a tribe of positivity and love and compassion and focus and drive and a desire to lead this world a little bit better than we found it. And it doesn't mean that we're like this every, oh, I was seeing I'm so glad that, the, that you listeners were not on, the, on my phone because I am telling <laughs> so far to get this, like, ah. But I, I, I didn't know what to say, right? So I said but we do have down days and i said but when those down days come inevitably there's some message from somewhere there's some little synchronicity there's some something right that that sort of just oh yeah catches us just right and it propels us back on our way so in your book scarlet i saw an amazing picture of a cloud trail a contrail actually okay. but it's a, it's a cloud stream Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I am, I love this picture. Oh, this is right. Um, This was a trip that
2: JT and I took uh, roughly two weeks after the shooting. Um, We had just had our first Christmas without Jesse. And, you know, I have three brothers and they all have two little kids and, so you can imagine there was lots of activity and lots of busyness around that. And, and I am really missing Jesse. And so I knew that JT, uh, who is Jesse's older brother, he's actually six years older, so he was 12 at the time. I knew that we needed to get away and we needed to reconnect as a family of two that we are now. So um, within 24 hours of that first Christmas, Uh, I had booked a flight to Disney World, uh, Orlando, because I thought, well, it's easy to get to. I've been there before. I feel comfortable and safe there. So uh, that morning we get up. My stepfather is driving us to the airport, and we're heading towards um, White Plains Airport. And this has never happened before. It's like this huge... Uh, snowstorm. It's not like that has ever happened. Uh, who are listening from the northeast, we're looking at another snowstorm tonight. But, um, but th- we had this pop-up come up and say the point of origin of the flight has changed. So we had to turn around and go down to New Jersey. Uh, when we got there, our flight was canceled three times. And I'm saying that for a reason. Um, I finally We finally get on the plane and because of all the delays, the airline gives us a free movie. So we're sitting there and I'm looking around, everybody's watching their movie, except for me, my movie is flashing on and off, and then it flashes down 20 channels to a radio station that's playing Jesse's Girl, you know, or, uh, you know, and then I would try to get it back onto the movie and then it would flash down all the way, 20 channels to a station and it would be playing "Sing you love you wish you were here I, I had my phone out i was writing all the words because i knew that they were messages to me and i was kind of looking over at jt i didn't want to say anything to him because this is our healing fun adventure and he's not right. really jt's 12 he's not really into messages and things like that but finally he looks over and he says he shrugs his shoulders and says jesse and i said i know i you know i i, I don't have any other explanation." So he tried to help me get the movie thing working and never did. So we land, and one of my friends, uh, very few people, This remember this is two weeks after, so very few people know where I am, what I'm doing. I'm really not communicating with anyone. Uh, but a friend did text me and say, uh, how was the flight? And I said, uh, it was amazing because Jesse was all over this flight giving me messages. It was just really nice and she wrote back something unexpected. She said, um, well, you know what, sometimes spirits linger because they want to make sure you're going to be okay. And, uh, and I knew right then and there what I needed to do. Um, I didn't say anything to JT, but we got off the plane, and I said, JT, can you watch our luggage while I run into the bathroom? And I went into the bathroom, and I closed the stall door, and I just started crying. And I, I said a prayer, and I said, Jesse, if you're lingering to make sure that JT and I are going to be okay, we're going to be fine. I said, I, I want you to go and be in the arms of Jesus. I said, if, if you could be in both places at once, that would be ideal. But if you can't, I really want you to go. Just go be in the arms of Jesus. We will we'll meet you. We'll be there soon. And it was, I was serious, and it was like one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I, I got out of that stall. I, I, you know, washed my tears off. I went outside. I said, all right, JT, let's start our healing adventure. So we, we went and we rented the car and we drove out of the airport driveway. We made a right onto whatever that highway is there. And there, mm-hmm. written in the sky, I'm looking out of my driver's side window, it, written in the sky, and the plane is still flying, is Jesse and Jesus Together Forever. And Jesse had a backwards J, like he used to write it. And I, wow. I was floored. I looked at JT. I didn't say anything. I looked at JT. He looked at me, and he said, Jesse's with Jesus. And I said, I know. He knew nothing about the prayer. I hadn't said anything to him. Uh, I didn't want him to feel uncomfortable. I wanted him to have a good time. And we just sat there in stunned silence. I got my phone. I took many pictures of it, and we're, while we're sitting there, the plane is still flying, and it flies over in front of our front windshield, and it starts writing another message. And I looked at JT, and I said, JT, this message is for us. And he looked at me, and he said, I know. You know, we were both in shock. And as we're sitting there, the plane writes "you" kind of like a U, plus God dash smiley face. And I looked at JT and I said, this is our sign that we need to stay close to God to be happy. And he said, I know. Can we go to Disney World
1: now? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but really, I mean, that that beautiful message just gave me so much, I don't know, peace and hope because I, I knew that it was, Uh, you know, a message that Jesse had heard my prayer. And that was a direct response to it. And and who
1: gets that? What a blessing that was. Uh, uh, Absolutely. You know, and um, Scarlett, what's your Twitter page? What's your Uh, Twitter name? It's Jesse Lewis Love. Okay, at Jesse Lewis Love. And mine is at Diane, D-I-A-N-N-E-B-G-R-A-Y, Scarlett, let's share some. Let's share some of these photos tonight or tomorrow, uh, for those of you that are interested. We'll pop them up. And it was interesting Absolutely. in preparing for this. Oh, awesome. In preparing for this show tonight, it was really funny. So I went into, you know, Google, and I thought, oh, I'll just pick up a cute little heart and you know, choose love. Well, it's, for those of you that are on my Twitter and Facebook page, I was stunned because. Uh, the image that came up was Choose Love goes to Austin. When Austin is my son's name for those of you that don't know it. My my son that died. And I could not believe it. And underneath it is water. And I'm working on this your beginning dialogue on a on a project that is so near to my heart um that has to do with water. And it's just right underneath and this picture, it pops up and I didn't put anything about Austin or, but this is the picture that popped up amongst millions of other pictures. So I, I know that these signs and these messages are so important and it's okay, you know, for people that don't believe in them or, or haven't experienced them. And, and that's one thing I want to talk about tonight too, is that, not everybody, you can't demand this sort of thing. You can't demand, okay, give me a sign, darn it. And I get thousands of email every year and calls from people who who ask, you know, amongst other things, why aren't I not getting a sign? Why am I not getting a message? And I think for me it's because it sometimes goes mm-hmm. through, it goes through other people and it goes through other Venues, or if we're too bogged down and too engrossed in television or in, you know, wherever whatever we're doing, I think it it requires a certain amount of um, being stillness. I mean, you were stuck in that seat, Scarlett Lewis. You know, you weren't going anywhere yeah. uh, at that time on the plane, and you were in a in an open space. I think too is is helpful. So let's segue for a minute, Scarlett, because I think one of the questions that people have asked about you to me is how on earth can this woman talk about compassion and love when her son was shot? The same person that called me while I was peddling furiously <laughs> down, <laughs> down this multiple-mile stretch today at sunset was, uh, was saying, you know, I don't know how I would ever, you know, not feel hatred and anger. And, and I think that's common, you know, and I, and I think that's understandable out there to um, feel those things. But can you tell us a little bit about why you and I and, and why people like us, in your opinion, choose love and why you chose love?
2: Well, and that's not to say that I don't have moments of anger. Um, mm-hmm. I do. And, and I still do, and, and that's okay. And, and actually, anger can be productive because it can get us to do things uh, sometimes. But um, the reason that I chose, there are several reasons that I chose love. Uh, one is Jesse's message. I mean, it, it was a, a direct message to me. I believe it's a direct message to the world. But that was basically the formula for choosing love and um, the other thing is I you know, you can I think choice is such an important word on this journey because we can choose how we react it, it, regardless of the pain, um and i I wanted to choose to be strong and choose to honor my son by turning something so horrific into something that could make the world a better place. And I know that seems almost impossible, but I think that I'm doing it by my advocacy, um, by my book, by sharing my experience. Um, And no one would blame me if I curled up in a fetal position and was just angry um, and believe me, there are moments that I feel like doing that, but for the most part, um, choosing love is is the better way to go. I mean, I you know, and I had JT, who's my 12-year-old son. Um, I wanted to set a good example for him, and, and he's actually gone off and started his own organization called org, and he is... Um, channeling the energy from his grief into being in service to other children around the world. So he has, and this was basically uh, his idea, Um, there were a group of orphan genocide survivors early on that reached out to him um, several weeks Mm. after his brother's death, and wanted to share their experience with him and let him know that he'd be okay. Now that, when you're going through you know, a, a traumatic loss, wow. is an incredible opportunity because not many people have gone through something like that, and there's so much legitimacy in their story. We were riveted, and they were very um, blunt with what had happened to them, watching their loved ones die, um, Uh, having attempted murder on them and then winding up in an orphanage. And then their their healing equation that they gave us, which was um, amazingly, miraculously, the same healing equation that Jesse left on the kitchen chalkboard. They said that they started feeling gratitude when they were in the orphanage for for the walls that were giving them comfort and for the little amount of food and for the compassion they were receiving. And then they said they knew they had to forgive or they would go down the same path of anger and destruction as as the people that had hurt them. And then that act of forgiveness gave them the ability to step outside of their own pain and find meaning in their suffering and help others with that, like they were doing with JT. And so... um, this concept of choosing love there is there are steps to doing that but once you do that and it's not like you don't have to go back um some days to just finding something to be grateful for and and starting at step one but it's just such a for me for me and jt it's a better life and when jesse was murdered i remember looking outside my mom's um, window over her kitchen sink watching the birds at the bird feeder it just something that jesse loved to do he loved birds and i just thought to myself you know jesse was murdered but i wasn't and neither was jt and we are going to lead good lives and and we're going to be strong and we're going to move forward and and we're going to make the most of our lives and and we're going to turn this thing around and uh and you know it's a process it's a journey and we're still we're still
1: working on that but it's um it, it's the way to go for us totally and and i think so many people you know would love to ask about that because i think it's it's beyond you know uh just the fathom of most people how how something so tragic mm-hmm. can be turned around to perseverance and um, and just the road ahead, you know, where it's leading you. If you all want to call in right now, um, Scarlett and I are going to take just a little bit of a, a quick break here. Please call in at 415-320-6716. The number is 415-320-6716. Um, we're on FuneralRadioNetwork.com. And if you want, please give us a call, uh, listen in. And also, too, you know, Scarlett, we're going to talk about some other things. I want to talk to you about uh, social-emotional learning and what your thoughts are with schools. And and as well, I really want to hear more about JT and how he's doing with this NewtownHelpRwanda.org project. Um, I think it's important what you're doing, um, and again listeners it's 415 320 6716. I've gotten a few messages on uh on Facebook. It says, you know, what's the number? So, uh feel free to call in with your questions and and ask anything you like. Uh we're here. Um so Scarlett, let's talk a little bit about um your your social emotional learning concept.
2: Yeah, so um so funny you said at the very beginning you never thought you would be this person and and what you're doing now right. and of course I never thought that I would be this person pounding the pavement at the White House and working with politicians to further social and emotional learning in schools. In fact, I don't even know if I knew what that was um, before December 14th, but it was just like right after the the shooting. I had this intuitive feeling that the shooter slipped through the cracks, that he was not given the kind of uh, wisdom teaching that one needs for resiliency and and learning compassion and kindness. And, you know, it it turns out that that was true. I, I don't know. Uh, That was just intuition on my behalf, but there was a report that came out that said that he was not given social and emotional learning, and and by that, I mean, he was not taught in school character values or emotional intelligence or moral awareness or any sort of mindfulness or or how to self-regulate himself, Um, and so basically, he didn't know that he wasn't his angry thoughts, and we know that anger can change us on a cellular level, just one thought and it can prolonged anger can rewire our brains and and cause rage and i believe rage is what fills our prison systems and leads to acts of violence such as Sandy
1: Hook so
2: um i knew that he had been failed um by his environment and i um i just knew that you know and it continues to happen of course in in our country um, there have been over a hundred school-related shootings since Sandy Hook. I know that that's a shocking number, but um, I only say that because there is a solution. There there are solutions out there, and and one of the most powerful ones that I know of is social and emotional learning. Um, you know, i I've, I've been researching this, and come to find out, there's over twenty years of scientific research that show that teaching, let's just say, basic kindness and compassion in the classroom um, leads to improved attitudes and behaviors, few negative behaviors, reduced emotional stress, anxiety, um, better uh, social integration, um, even better academic performance. Um, So it turns out this type of learning is even more important than reading, writing, and math. Because reading and writing and math come. Um, but I just I looked around and there were so many kids um, after the shooting that were uh, getting bullied in school, and mm. the school seemingly for years, had, had absolutely no idea how to handle it, even though we have so many anti-bullying uh, programs. And then I'm thinking in my mind, wait a minute, anti-bullying programs. That's focusing on a double negative. What you focus
1: on grows.
2: And look what's happened. Bullying has grown to the point where we have kids bringing guns into school and shooting their classmates. we, We need to turn this around 180 degrees. We need to focus on choosing love. And that's exactly what social and emotional learning programs are. So I have literally been traveling the world, uh, crisscrossing the country, advocating for social and emotional learning since Jesse died. And uh, I'm working with Congressman Tim Ryan, who has introduced Mm -hmm. a social and emotional learning bill in the House. Um, I'm working with Senator Blumenthal in Connecticut, who is going to introduce a companion social and emotional learning bill in the Senate shortly. Um, I have a meeting with Vice President Biden next month to get the executive branch um, in coherence with with this type of thinking. And I I think that, you know, this is what's going to make a big difference. This is the most powerful um, mental health initiative being proactive for mental health that I know of. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. And, and there are schools that have these programs. It's just not keeping up pace with the need,
1: obviously. That's interesting that you said that. So where are these schools? Do you know? Are they inner city schools? Are they rural schools? Are they private schools? Are they large or small schools? Do you know? Because I'm not familiar with uh, what schools have social emotional learning in them. They're, they're all
2: over and they're scattered. Okay. And they're all different kinds of social and emotional learning programs. Um, and it's basically, it's, it's a lot of ground up. It's a lot of teachers who understand the value and know that, that this type of learning is actually going to help them by helping their children uh, be able to focus better and get better grades. So it's a lot of uh, teacher-driven initiatives. Um, there are districts. That that have these initiatives, and so the word is getting out. I mean, it's it's and and social and emotional learning has been around for a long time. Castle C A S E L dot org is a great website to go to to learn about social and emotional learning, and uh, it just you know we need to have a national awareness campaign so that everyone understands okay. this, so that everyone understands and and goes to their school districts and says hey. We need this social and emotional learning, um, and and that will be a powerful tool as well to get this message awesome. spread. So important.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. We're going to take a call uh, from Judy in Brantford, Connecticut. Hello? Awesome. Please join in. I just wanted to know if there's any way we can support what she's speaking of with our senators or representatives hearing that, She's trying to do something in Washington. Is there anything we can do?
2: Yeah, definitely. Hi, Judy. Thank you so much for calling in. And and that's a fantastic question, and there is a lot that you can do. Thank you for asking that. Um, You can contact your congressmen and ask them to co-sponsor Tim Ryan's Social and Emotional Learning Bill in the House in Washington, D.C. And you might... Look on org and do a little bit of research so that you can explain how social and emotional learning uh, helps academic performance and improves attitudes and behaviors, um, reduces stress, and tell them how important it is for schools and for reducing the, the epidemic of violence that we're experiencing in our schools now. And you can also call your, your senators, and actually it has to be people that call within the state. So um, you can call your senators and ask them also to support Senator Blumenthal when he um, introduces this companion social and emotional bill in the Senate in the, in, within the next couple of weeks. And that will be incredibly powerful. Um, and that's also information that I can take with me into my meeting with the vice president and let him know that we have a lot of support out there for social and emotional learning. And you can also, you know, in addition, if you have children, go to your schools, ask your superintendent, ask your teachers, what kind of social and emotional learning do we have? You know, I was, I was surprised. Um, I asked um, the... Uh, the I asked someone at uh, Newtown High School, what kind of social and emotional learning programs do you have? And I was told, well, we have sex education and we have anti-bullying and suicide prevention and drug education. And those are not social and emotional learning programs. Those are the result of not having social and emotional learning programs in there. So it's a lot of education that needs to happen, and that's okay. But you can introduce the concept, and uh, and and with all the scientific research that's out there, um, they will quickly pick up that it's it's very important and can, and can make their jobs easier, and definitely definitely great for our kids,
1: our 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 most uh, treasured asset. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so thank very you much, so much. Uh, Scarlett. Will you tweet out tomorrow? Tweet out uh, some Twitter information on. Um, you know who she can contact, or pop it up on the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Facebook page, so that she I doesn't have to track it down.
0: Of course,
1: that'd be really helpful. Thank you so much for calling in. We're going to take another caller now, but I want you to I want you to um, please check back with us. And if you have any questions or have any comments, you can also um, email, or you can check out our website at funeralradio.com slash transcend or transform rather and I'll be happy to respond to you okay thanks so much for calling in thank you so very much god bless you Scarlett. you're an incredible inspiration
2: thank you it's very sweet thank you
1: Uh, our next caller is susan uh hi susan are you there yes i am awesome thank you so much for calling in you're calling in from california right Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. My adopted state. (laughs) So let's talk for a little bit. Susan, what question would you like to ask? Well, I
0: just love this uh, social and emotional training. It sounds so incredibly wonderful, something this country could use, and getting children at a young age um, to – I think it's wonderful. But my question was – a little bit different. Uh, maybe it is involved in the social-emotional training, but you did mention um, that there had been 100 shootings in schools since the Sandy Hook. So is there grief training in schools or children across the country, not only the school that it happens in, getting any kind of training? And in the social-emotional training that is uh, going through Congress, what, what you're working on hoping to go through, and be mandatory in schools, would that include grief training? That's Canceling. an excellent question. And, uh, and it is
2: actually more related to trauma, but social and emotional learning does have trauma elements in it. Mindfulness uh, deals with trauma, and so that's a great point. Um, it is not directly related to grief, um, but that's,
0: that's a great point, and and we should have those programs mm-hmm.
1: for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'd lost a son myself, and um, <clears throat> I always thought it that it would have been extremely important for me to do with my family. We just never did. We had a lot of support, but we didn't have any kind of grief training or counseling, rather. And I just think that that is something that's important. It's. I wish I'd have done it. So,
1: I just thought, you know.
0: Yeah, well, that's, know a great, that's a
1: great that's a great Yeah, it it is and I want to thank you for bringing that up, Susan. How long ago did you lose your son? Um it's going to be uh 20 years on
0: mother uh mother's day.
1: Mm. 20. Years. I'm so sorry. You know, it's, well, it's you. interesting it, it, when, mm, Go ahead.
0: It wasn't um a violent um passing but um for a mother um you know obviously any passing is is uh very heartfelt and is with you always so now of course um you know we're we're a lot older my husband and I and our son is obviously uh our other son is an adult but um i do think that grief counseling is so important i do hope that people reach out and do that when uh anything like this happens and uh, it's it's just that extra bit of support, that time you can all talk. And although we did it, we didn't have an intermediary who was there and um, could ask us, what are you feeling? How are you feeling? How are you dealing with this in school? How are you dealing with this with your spouse? And on and on and all those things that, you know, affect you. Um, it's, uh, it's important to do, I think. It, it, it really is. Important. But i'll say that
2: um you know while, while I'm sitting here thinking of it, social and emotional learning does help a child's resiliency, and it's also a proactive mental health um support, so that when something mm-hmm. does happen, they're better able to handle it. but you're right, and we were very blessed when um, when our tragedy happened we we've had a lot of support, but that was because it was high profile, right. And, okay. uh, and a, yeah, and a lot of people have come in uh, come in to help us. But you're right, it conti- and it continues to happen. So we average about one school-related shooting per week in our country. So that is definitely oh. something
1: that needs to be addressed. Yes. Uh, I agree completely. Yeah, in fact, Susan, you know, one of the things that we experienced, because my son died um, from a long-term illness. And Mm -hmm. we were hospice patients, and so bereavement care is supposed to be a part of that. So the options Mm -hmm. for children in our community were I could either take my daughter into the hospice. Well, what 10-year-old kid wants to go into a hospice, right? No, after Mm -hmm. her brother brother died. Or B, the Mm -hmm. other choice was she could be pulled out of class in the fifth grade in front of her friends, and go to grief counseling, which was in the office. She said, "No, I'm not. I'm not doing it because then they also miss out on, you know, testing for prep, you know, or a prep for testing. Mm-hmm. Rather, they miss out on, you know, maybe a part of a break or a lunch or social time. They don't want to be different than the other kids, and they don't want to be pulled out of class to be singled right. out. So I think I right. think you raise a very valid point, and I think to that it's time we really start focusing on caring for kids in a different way. Um, And, and Scarlett, as you said, kind of turning the tables on Mm it, um, one of the programs that is in existence now that does a great job for kids in grief is Camp Aaron um, nationally. And that helps, and that's a, a grief camp, but I don't think that it takes the place of consistent, qualified, loving, compassionate, learning, and as well coping with grief. Uh, I'm so glad that you shared that with us, Susan. And um, I hope that you, you know, call back in and as well, you know, stay in touch and follow along because we'll probably be talking about some other issues that will be of interest to you here in the next few weeks. Thank you. Well, I'm certainly enjoying the show. Take care. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. And bless okay. you. Bless you. Thank you. So, Scarlett, you know, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, you know, about grief. And, you know, you, in your book, um, one of the things that you and I have discussed before is that time when uh, the school bus slowed down in front of your house to pick up your child, but then it speeds away because there's no child there. And that was mm. something that I experienced, you know, and you and I talked about this, uh, about the either outward sobbing if there were no other children around, or the inward bawling, which is what I did, Um, because the school bus slows down, slows down, and it was the special needs school bus in my case, and in your case it was the regular Where's Jesse school bus. Um, Yeah. You know, a lot of parents go through these normal everyday things of, being in the grocery store, I get that e- an email on that topic a lot. I can't go to the grocery store any anymore and go down this aisle. i yeah. falling. I think it took me seven <laughs> years actually to go to Costco to get yeah. um, vinegar because vinegar was used to clean like Austin sterilize some of Austin's medical items. Uh, I didn't go down the aisle where there were other food things. I still have not been to Toys R Us. <laughs> Because it just is too hard. What do you recommend to parents that are kind of going through their, you know, their day to day reorientation with life as they as the school bus passes by, or they're having a tough time getting to the grocery store? You know,
2: I, that's a tough one because every single one of those I have experienced as well, and I still go to the grocery store and get sad at the uh, cereal aisle, because I used to let Jesse pick out his favorite, you know, whatever cereal he wanted, and he would always pick out a different cereal, so we spent a lot of time in that aisle, and uh, I think it, for me, it was changing up my routine, because that morning routine was set for us. I mean, JT got on the bus at 6.30, and then it was my time with Jesse, and we would, play in bed and have fun and get dressed and then uh, set out ourselves. And so, gosh, I was at a loss for what I was going to do in the morning. I was terrified of that, frankly. And what I have been doing is changing it up. Um, I did not want to be home in the morning to see the school bus. And, of course, there have been times when I have been, but for the most part I get up and... I bring JT to school at 6:30. I'm up anyway, and I go straight to the gym. And so I always liked going to the gym, and I never could because you know I, I had the two kids and a different schedule. And so I go to the gym and I I work out, and I you know that makes me feel good. It raises my endorphins. I know it's good for my body, and I come back after the bus. Has gone by now. I know that may be avoidance, but I'm I'm here at times too, and and it still hurts. You know, I there's just no way around it.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and and we talked about this, and I think you you brought up a great point. You know, shake it off a little bit and and change the routine. Um, you know, I think when Scarlett and I originally talked about this, for you those of you that are listening, I, I had a different approach. Uh, you know that book um by Cheryl Sandberg, it's called Lean In. Well, you know what? Uh I have this theory on lean into the experience. Just get through it and get on it and lean toward it. So I sat out there two days in a row mm.
0: and I was wow. like,
1: I'm gonna get through this darn it. <laughs> it about killed me the first day. Like, okay. We're going to go in and have a big old sob now, but I remember it still. And I think what that did for me was any residual fear that I had was washed away. It's like, you know what? I got through the death of my son. I will get through the school bus, although going to the mall and don't laugh, because it was really hard this Christmas. I made such a big deal out of it, and everybody else probably thought she's a nutcase. But I went to the mall, which if you've lost a child, going to the mall can be a big thing at Christmas. Lots of happy families, lots of happy kids, some kids that look like my son. And it was tough that first day, but a friend challenged me, you know, and said, come on, I, I bet you can do this. And and it was really, really tough, so I'm not sure that there's a right way. I think that there are a bunch of different ways, either lean into it when you feel that you want to take the you know particular challenge, or like you said, you know shake up shake up the routine a little bit. You know before we we close our show tonight, I'd like to take just a couple of minutes. Scarlett, one of the things that you and I have talked about that's important to you and and actually both of us is your faith. Um, And as I was reading your book, I have to tell you, I I write in my books, and sorry to those of you that are Mm -hmm. authors, that I have a whole stack of your books at my house, and I read them incessantly, but um, I write in them all. (laughs) And Scarlett, I loved uh, a part where you were talking about your faith, and you were actually talking about Mary, which is something that I resonates within me, um, always has. Can you talk a little bit about what you wrote about either your faith or how Mary symbolizes, you know, the suffering of all mothers who have lost a child? Because I feel exactly the same way.
2: Yeah, and I, I actually didn't really have a relationship with Mary. I'm not Catholic. Um, I'm Christian. Yeah, me either. And mm-hmm. yeah, and so um but I had I had a healer that was assigned to me by the State, believe it or not come in she sat down next to me on the couch this is maybe a day or two after jesse died and she looked me in the eyes and she said mother mary sent me to wash your feet tell you that she weeps with you and i looked her right back and i said thank you i mean it just i was just i took it as just the truth you know it just I, I Yes, of course she did, because she lost her son, and she knows above anyone else what my mourning is like. I mean, she watched her son die on the cross in a, in a horrible, horrible suffering way, and she understands my pain, and it would make sense that she weeped with me. And I just completely accepted that and developed this incredibly strong affinity for Mother Mary. And I, and I will talk about my faith because, you know, I, I believe, I, I say before I, I believed that, you know, we, we, there is life after death, that we are spiritual beings having a human experience and that we go to a tremendous place after death. And now, through my experience, I know that for a fact, mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and it's through some precognitive things that, that Jesse left, some drawings, a painting, that I know spiritually he knew that, that he didn't have much longer on earth. And then it's also from beautiful, mm-hmm. wonderful, loving signs that I've received after his death, and it's just Sometimes washes me over with this peace that surpasses understanding, and I'm I'm so thankful for it. And um, yes, my faith is first and foremost what has helped me move through in a positive way this experience.
1: Yeah, and I and I have to agree with you. And for those of you that are listening, you know I want to be really upfront on this. It's not to say. Oh, Scarlet's faith has been unwavering or dying grace's faith has been unwavering. I gotta tell you, you know, there are days and I hear this from millions of people, um, they can't find which way is up. Where is God? Where where is it? Where is he? Where is she? What, what am I doing? I'm angry, I I, I don't feel him around me. And I think that, you know, what Scarlett is saying And I know from my own experience that there are amazing uh, messages that come to so many people through prayer or through meditation or through being still and being silent. Um, You know, today, you know, our culture is so focused on go do (laughs) be, go do be more, go climb. You know, I think I've read every Nike ad from the last 20 years and, um, and as much as I love sports and biking and hiking and surfing and all of that, um, I think there's something very powerful about in healing, about just sitting and and being still, and whether you call it uh, prayer or meditation or mindfulness, whatever it is, I encourage you to to think about it, um, to see if maybe even just in those 10 to 15 minutes a day, if you can, get up a little bit earlier, sit in the in the still in the quiet at night and in the morning, and just be and see, you know, what fills your heart and fills your spirit, um, you know, whether for you it's Mother Mary. I mean, I had a, a very funny experience. I was on a massage table um, with. Uh, someone who is a, a healer, but she's also a massage therapist. My son, toward the last few years of his life, was uh, about 5'4", five 5'5". Five five, I'm 5'6", five 5'7", five and he was 75% of my weight, and I'm not a very big girl anyway, And uh, but I'm really strong in the core, and so I had to pick him up a lot. So I would go and have my back worked on uh, through via massage after he died. And uh, this, the woman said to me, so I think Austin's here. And my face was down, you know, the little hole on the massage table and the tears just start dropping through the, the table. And she said, and there's somebody with him. He has a spirit guide. And I said, I know. I see her, you know, see her in my mind's eye and in my heart. And she said, who do you think it is? And I'm thinking to myself, I know that it's Mary." For me, it's and I'm not Catholic either, and I had never had a big thing about Mary. I hadn't studied all about her, but it made perfect sense to me, as you said, to Scarlett, to tap into her suffering, to to tap into her um, just her being and her 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 mourning and the mournfulness, but also the hope uh, and the faith and the peace that resides knowing that our children are with Christ and are with God. And whether your thing is Allah or Buddha or whether you just believe in the universal spirit, I think it's it's a feeling that our, both of our children are at peace and they are surrounded by love. Um, so to close the show out, I just want to answer this question. Uh, somebody tweeted in a question what are the, some of the ways that uh, we learned to cope with anxiety after loss? Charlotte, we only have a minute or two. Can you just, um, you know, top this off and say what are some of the ways, and then I'll, I'll respond also. What are some of the ways that you learned to cope with anxiety after loss?
2: <clears throat> that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I practiced, I, I, I meditated, I, I worked out, um, I took care of myself. I got massages. I did a lot of alternative things for my anxiety. I, I, I don't like medication, so I, I never really took medication. Um, I've done the EMDR, um, which is the rapid eye movement. I've done
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, tapping, and um, I've done brain spotting. I mean, you know, we've been blessed to have a lot of these therapies offered here in Sandy Hook, and and they're relatively new, MNRI, I mean, all these incredible therapies. And I would try them all, and I would get a little bit yeah. of relief from, from each one for different things. And so I would just have an open mind to to the, what's out there, to what's being offered. I would research it on the Internet. I have a whole chapter on alternative therapies in my book that I tried. And just keep an open mind because um, it, it may look funny, um, like Reiki um, is, is energy healing, but it's, um, there's something to it, you know, and it, and it definitely yeah. reduces anxiety. And that was so, it, so kind of uh, that all helped me.
1: I, like you, Scarlett, I practiced Reiki, massage therapy, um, exercise, and my thing is to go out in nature. Uh, I love to be surrounded by, uh, plants and in the ocean, and my thing was to travel. I've been to 17 countries and 200 cities, and, and, it, and it's an expensive fix for anxiety after loss, but it also helped to rebuild my resilience, and there was nothing better than being in the middle of the open ocean, hours and hours and hours and hours off of Turk, Turks and Caicos, um, in the water with these humpback whales. Um Ooh, that's not mean. only was I a yeah, it was awesome. Not only was I a speck of dust, which was really healing for me, I realized that I am one and part of the big one, like a big blue marble. I'm a, just a just a a speck and part of this big, big, beautiful, uh, water-filled planet of ours, and that it's it was very healing for me. And then, of course, like a lot of people, you know what? Uh, I slept, and I I started to treat myself as I did a patient, and, and as well as I did uh, my son, which, like you, vitamins and exercise, and tried to, um, you know, really lay off of some of the other things that, you know, we're just not good for me, the sugar and the, you know, friendships that were not uh, supportive of me. And for, you know, for some, it might mean uh, calling a little hiatus to certain family relationships that we know are um, not helpful, um, you know, in in keeping people at a distance and really inviting those people in that are, are healing. Um, that's a great question, and I'm happy to respond more. If you'd like to tweet to me in the future, uh, you can tweet me at at Diane B. Gray, D-I-A-N-N-E, B-G-R-A-Y, or you can also uh, find me on Diane Gray on Facebook, um, or you can also uh, tune in to us at FuneralRadio.com backslash Transform. I want to thank you so much for being with us tonight. Um, we love having you here. It's a little bit after 9 Eastern and 6 Pacific. Um, go make it a great night, you know, and just enjoy um, your day tomorrow. Make it the best that you can and know that it's a gift. Um, and and also, too, we send you love and we hope that you choose love. God bless you.